And welcome to episode 85 of the Lace Em Up podcast. I'm Steve Ellsworth. I'm Brett Tuboff. Tyler Johnson and Andre Palat both got paid by the Tampa Bay Lightning. Did Steve Eiserman hit a home run this offseason? We'll debate and discuss. We'll also debate and discuss Donald Fair's interesting comments about the salary cap. Uh, you won't believe my take on this. Uh, he's right in some areas, dead wrong on others. Uh, so me and Brett will probably go toe-to-toe on that matter. And uh, a lot of people signing overseas, uh, one of them, a name that we have talked about heavily over the past couple of weeks, we'll uh, debate and discuss. Also, some Bruins sends news to digest as well. Uh, but first, shout-outs to all the players past and present who have worn number 85 in the NHL. Uh, again, very short list. Peter Klima played for five different teams from 1986 to 1997, wore number 85 um, in every single year during that stretch. Radoslav Olesz also wore number 85, believe it or not. Matthew Perot wears that number for the Winnipeg Winnipeg Jets. Martin Marinson wore number 85 with the Oilers in 2014 and 2015. So did Liam Reddix in his days with the Oilers from 2008 to 2011. And Morgan Ellis with the Habs in 2016. So to all of them and to all the players at any level of hockey or born number 85, this podcast is for you. And now, it's time to lace them up. Here's Brett and Steve. So yeah, the uh, Tyler Johnson and or Tyjo, as they say, yeah, and, um, and uh, Andre Palat got signed this week. Um, Tyler Johnson got or Tyjo. I, I I don't know how to say it. Ty. I, should I? I guess I should talk about his nickname more than just Tyler Johnson. Uh, he had uh, he got signed for seven years at five million. Andre Palat uh, had five years at $5.3 million. Um, they're kind of uh, underrated players in a way because, you know, uh, Stamkos and Kucherov kind of take the spotlight from the Lightning. But, uh, you know, Palat and, uh, and Taijo are also members of the, uh, the triplet line, as they say. Um, and so uh, they all... They are also very, um, you know, vital to their team. Um, I'm, I was going to look up their stat quickly. Um, I think they didn't have a great year this year, but um, we'll see. Um, yeah, so what do you think? Well, um, I'll actually take a look at some of their stat lines. So we'll start with Tyler Johnson. Since his 72 points in 77 games back in 2014-2015, he's recorded 83 points combined over the last two years in 135 games played. Over that stretch, he scored 33 goals. In 2014-2015, he had 29 goals alone. And as a rookie, he scored 50 points in 82 games. The real reason why he's getting paid that money, his playoff performances. 23 goals and 42 points in 47 career NHL playoff games. That experience isn't easy to find, especially for a 27-year-old. Or for a guy who's about to turn 27, actually, in about a week or two. He also got a wicked release, which is tougher to find than most of you probably think. And he's a solid number two center to complement Steven Stamkos. And you need guys like that in your organization. 
Um, Andre Palat, stats, um, stat-wise, not as impressive as Johnson's come playoff time, but very effective nonetheless. Because in the regular season, he's been the most consistent of the two. In four of his first five campaigns, he has scored at least 50 points, including a career-high 63 back in 2014-2015. This is close to the kind of money that Mike Hoffman's getting, close to the kind of money that Braden Shen is getting this year. And Tyler Sagan is not getting paid that much more either. So both guys paid their dues. I think it's a happy medium for both guys and the team. Great signing by Steve Eisenman. Yeah, so I'm just looking here. Uh, So Palat um, has slightly better numbers, I guess. Um, So uh, Tyler Johnson, Ty Joe had 45 points in 66 games. I guess he was also another injury that Tampa Bay had this year. Um, 40, yeah, which isn't terrible, of course. It's it's pretty good. It's actually decent there. Um, and uh, Andre Palat had 52 points in 75 games. Who also so uh, Tampa also had injuries in that regard too. So I don't know. It's um, I guess it, it makes sense because they're I guess five million. I feel like is a little too high for these guys, but at the same time, you know, the Tampa only really has Stamkos and Kucherov um, as well as well in terms of that. So um, I feel like they may regret it eventually, but it, you know, they're, they're decent um, amounts for both of them. So we'll see. Um, it could work out for them. What, what's also interesting is how this is coinciding with Steve Eisman's master plan. Yep. And it all started with the trade that sent Ben Bishop to LA and then continued after dealing Phil Pilla to the Flyers. That saved Tampa some cap space. That's yeah. the main thing. Then you trade Drouin to a team like Montreal for a defensive prospect named Mikhail Sergachev, who um, is basically at his entry-level deal right now. You already have Matt Spencer and Eric Cernak in the system. Now you have the cream of the crop to complement those two. As far as forward prospects go, you have Mitchell Stevens, Matthew Joseph, Anthony Sorelli, and Taylor Radish, who, by the way, Scored 109 regular season points in the OHL and added 31 in the playoffs. He was dynamite this year. Yeah, he was pretty good. So all of them don't have a role on the team right now, probably will in the future. And right now, in the meantime, they have Braden Point, who, when all of their centers went down in a stretch of the same game, I believe it was Johnson, Nemestikov, and Paquette, all three of them went down the same game. He became their number one center for a time. And he finished with 40 points in 68 games. He's got two years left on his entry-level deal. As you mentioned, Stamkos is getting paid big money. So is Victor Hedman. So is Alex Kalorn. They're all locked up long-term. The two goalies that they have, uh, Andre Vasilevsky and Peter Budai, they combined for 4 to $5 million in both of the next two seasons. So they've got flexibility in that department. Um, Girardi, Stroman, and Coburn make up a solid top three to complement Victor Hedman. All three of those guys are going to be UFAs in two years. And Schuster's a UFA after the new season is done. Again, more flexibility there. And before these two signings, Palat and Johnson, they're able to add a guy like Chris Kunitz, a proven winner on a one-year deal. Yeah. As we far as I'm concerned, Steve Eiserman is hitting moonshot after moonshot after moonshot because all the trades he's making to save some money and that Druin for Sergachev swap – if Druin stayed, in my opinion, either Palat or Johnson are getting traded. Because yeah. right now they have less than $4 million in cap space. 
Druin's making an average of $5.5 million per year with Montreal, so there's no way they could work around the cap without making some moves if Druin is still part of the plan. And then if Kucherov continues to play the way he's been playing, he's going to be worth more than the four to five million he's getting paid right now. His contract's up in two years. So it's all a matter of if everyone's able to stay healthy and if everyone's able to pull out their way, uh, pull up. Um, sorry, I can't talk right now. If everyone's okay. able to pull their weight, you're looking at a Stanley Cup contender again. And they're just keeping what they have. And and Steve Eisman has done fantastic work this offseason. Um, I can't say enough of what he's done, and these two signings are just the latest example of how good he's been. Yeah, that's that's a good point. I mean, I think Tampa Bay was really, really just uh, suffered last year because, you know, Stamkos was injured all year. Yeah, I just mentioned Tyjo was injured for a bit, so was Palat for a bit too. So it's, and um, they still missed out on the playoffs by and, a single point. Yeah, they that's it. And like the fact that like they didn't they traded away Ben Bishop, mm-hmm. they you know middle of the season they you know they traded away is that all they traded away I guess that, that they is they traded Phil Pillow as well to save some caps yeah yeah too. but Bishop is the main guy because he was Bishop's you know, the main guy yeah yeah and they got Cernak and a decent return yeah. as well Budai who they signed to a discount I think the as well. the biggest I mean you're right and I was just about to mention that. Kunitz is a good, uh, I think it is a good pickup for them. He's a good, like, veteran presence guy, especially considering he was on those teams, right, on those uh, Stanley Cup teams. Um, But, yeah, and then also you mentioned that their cap space now, they have $3 million in cap space. Um, I think the biggest uh, issue that we might, the Lightning might have is because, is, um, is Vasilevsky. You didn't have a great year. Um, this year, and I'm not sure if he'll be that guy, you know, like be the guy that Bishop was a couple years ago. So, um, we'll see. Uh, but you're right. They have a, they have a loaded, uh, offensive front and Sergeyev should be good for them. So that was a good trade for them. Um, yeah, we'll again, it's, it's, if, uh, if everyone can pull their weight, they're going to be good. And yeah. it starts and ends with Vasilevsky. Absolutely. He's going to have to be huge for them. Yep. Um, so we're, we just talked about Tampa Bay's, uh, s- salary cap situation. Donald Fear, uh, the NHL PA head, um, had some comments on the salary cap. I believe they, they're the ones who are, which is a little weird, I guess, cause he's, uh, he's kind of, isn't he like, the NHLPA was for the salary cap, but he had some some questionable uh, quotes today. A quote today this week. Um, for so I'm just going to read this whole paragraph. It's kind of long, but um, it is it will be worth it. So, first of all, look at the stability of the NHL right now. Look at how competitive it is. Look at the lack of major dynasties. Well, that actually, we've seen. actually, this is this is what I this is what actually I told you. It wasn't the actual quote. This is yeah. this is the the point that I was going to make. Oh, oh. That, that's actually not the actual quote. If you want, I can tell you the okay. actual quote. You have the quote then. I thought that was okay. the actual quote. <laughs> yes, yeah, sorry about that. If it was, <laughs> I would have put quotes on it. Okay. <laughs> that's our first. You blew up more of the podcast. Sorry about that, people. That's that's my that's bad. That's fine. That's fine. Okay, here's here's the golden quote, and trust me, you won't be disappointed. Okay, so how happy are we that there's a salary cap at all? Here's the quote. Quote, how happy are we that there's a salary cap at all? The answer is not. 
Everybody understands this, but the purpose of a salary cap is to place an artificial upward limit on what players get paid, which is below what the owners would otherwise pay. I've also long believed it's not good for the promotion and marketing of the game, and we know from baseball it's clearly not essential for success. In terms of how the cap has functioned with the expectations over the last several years, there have been a number of problems, including the Canadian dollar and including that the cap is predicted on the club's spending to the midpoint, more or less. If most of them are spending above the midpoint, that creates escrow all by itself. Okay. So the beef of that is how happy are we that there's a salary cap at all? The answer is not. Okay. That's the golden clip. <laughs> all right. It's a little different. Is that, that makes that makes a lot more sense now then. All right. Um, so, so you have something on this. You just, just go and then I'll, okay. I'll okay. get off that. So you mentioned what you thought was the quote, the stability. And this is my yeah. point. You look at the stability of the NHL right now and you look at how competitive it is. Look at the lack of major dynasties that we see in the NHL. And look at the dynasties that we're seeing in all the other sports. Like in the NFL – your Patriots and the Cowboys, as far as success and talent goes, they're the cream of the crop. In baseball, you have Boston, San Francisco, and the L.A. Dodgers. Lately, they always seem to be getting the big fish. Right. In the NBA, every single guy wants to be on Golden State or Cleveland because those two teams have, met, have uh, squared off against one another in three straight, three straight NBA finals. And prior to the Penguins winning back-to-back titles, you didn't see that in the NHL in almost two decades. Right. And so as a result of the stability as a result of the salary cap in my opinion tampa nashville and columbus teams like that have gotten their act together and they now have a sustainable product for years to come minnesota have also climbed up the nhl rankings and as we saw in the off season the hurricanes and the maple leafs have shown us during the early stages of this off season that uh, they're ready to be competitive and hey look at the oilers they're finally good again right so it's not just Chicago, L.A., and Pittsburgh that are grabbing your attention. It's every team. And if you don't have a good night, anyone can beat anybody in this league. That is what a good competitive league will do. If you don't place any cap league-wide, the highest bidder will always get the good talent. The cheat teams are always going to miss out. Yeah. And that makes it harder for teams like the Golden Knights to compete. And that's going to make it harder for teams that are trying to develop their fan base and take things to the next level. Like, look at Nashville over the last three to four years, what they've yeah. done. Look at what their fan base has become. So, this this tarnishes, in essence, taking away the cap. This tarnishes the brand you are trying to build. And this brand is never going to be able to outcompete the NBA. It's never going to be able to outcompete the MLB. It's never going to be able to outcompete the NFL. Because all those sports teams have taken decades, like the NHL, to establish themselves worldwide. The NHL, as Donald Ferris mentioned, hasn't done enough of promoting the game on a global basis. But again, removing the salary cap is only going to make things worse. Because once the teams that are lacking talent start to lose and lose and lose, less and less fans are going to show up to the games. And you know what's going to happen after that? Teams might leave. Right. And in the NHL, since the Nordiques left Quebec, the Thrashers are the only other NHL team to move their home base elsewhere. Like, you look at the Coyotes, who probably should have been gone, like, five years ago. They've had nine lives to try and make things work. Gary Bettman has been very loyal to them. In the NFL, we saw the St. Louis Rams move to L.A. The San Diego Chargers are about to do the same. 
and the Oakland Raiders in a couple of years are going to be off to Vegas. All that has happened in two years. Although that's and, that. Sorry to cut you off there. That's yeah. that. Those are more to do with the fact that like the NFL makes a lot more money than the NHL, and that had more to do with the fact that the. Uh, the city didn't want to pay for a new stadium, and that was like their. Those were those teams' threats to like, oh, we're we'll, okay, fine. You're not going to build a new stadium. We'll just move, um, and that's what happened. It had less to do with like fans not showing up to the game, which I guess is well, your that's point. True. I mean, you look at the Cleveland Browns; like yeah. their team's been losing forever and ever, and they are probably the most loyal fans you can find. Right, right. I mean, and like on that. On that front, like I, I sort of agree with what you're saying. I know you have more to this rant. I'm sorry to cut you off again, but no, it's, okay. um, I mean, like, yeah, you're right in terms of like you need the salary cap to make things even. But at the same time, you have teams like Buffalo, Arizona, Carolina, New Jersey. Although I guess New Jersey made it to the Stanley Cup this uh, uh, this year, uh, Vancouver. Um, yeah, those teams um, that, like, you know, they haven't made the playoffs in a long, long, long time and have been terrible. I mean, yeah, you have the draft and they have a bright future for sure, but it's still not, like, perfect because, you know, Buffalo was the last team in the Atlantic Division, even if they do have, like, Jack Eichel and Sam Reinhardt and Rasmus and you know, so it's... It's not like it's not a guarantee that the salary cap doesn't guarantee that teams will be good or parity will always happen. It just so happens that um, you know that's the case kind of thing. But everyone's on the same playing field, and at the same time, and if they too, don't make the t- right turn. That's the organization. Yeah, that, that's right. true. I mean, yeah, you're right. You're on the same playing field, but at the same time, like Pittsburgh, Chicago. Um, they're always in cap hell, and yet they, they've they won the last six, you know, they've combined to won the last six Stanley Cups, you know, together. Um, five of the last six. So it's not like, and the Kings as well, the Kings are another team that's won um, more than once um, recently. So it's, um, you know, you do have that chance. I mean, it is another discussion if, like, if the NHL, like, doesn't have super teams like the NBA does. I'm not sh- necessarily sure that's true. If like I feel like the Pittsburgh's basically a super team, so is Washington and Chicago. Um, but like at the same time, there's you know there's a lot of talent on every other team too. So it's um, it's an interesting like argument to have, I guess. Mm-hmm. Now, there are a couple more points. And yep. The need for a new stadium. You touched on the need for a new stadium. Yep. In the NHL, the only hockey market that desperately needs a new up-to-date arena right now is Calgary. Yep. Edmonton got theirs last year. Well, Detroit Arizona. Get theirs this year. Arizona as well, but yeah. <laughs> yeah, eventually, hopefully. Yeah. Um, now, here's the monster stag here, okay? In 2003-2004, the season before the lockout to end all lockouts, supposedly, 23 players were making at least $7 million a year. Heading into this year, 64 players are making that much money. Went from 23 to 64 in a span of just over 10 years. Yep. So to end my rant, this league in its current state can't survive without a salary cap. 
Hockey is a brand that needs stability. It can't live on itself. Yep. Because in America, especially, it won't be top of mind for most people once October rolls around because baseball playoffs will be underway. The NFL will be back. And once football's done, the NBA takes over. Right. And if your team is sucking and there's a different brand that appeals to you more, what's stopping you from watching the alternative? In my opinion, removing the salary cap is a bad idea until they continue to expand on an international front. So, Donald, fear, we need the salary cap. End rant. Yeah, I guess I guess you're right in, in that sense. But, like, I don't know. I feel like baseball doesn't have a salary cap. They're the only league that doesn't. And, you know, they've been, um, I guess, they're, they're dwindling too a bit. But, yeah, all right, fair point. <laughs> Uh, let's go on to something else. Um, by the way, what, do you have anything to say about, like, super teams? Like, um, like, do you think hockey has a super team? I don't think you, I think there, I think the definition of a super team has changed a little bit. Yep. As far as dynasties go, like winning back-to-back-to-back titles. Well, like Penguins, like, that's the only super team I can think of. They're about as close to a super team as I've seen. But, like, at the same time, it's not like, because, like, when you think of a super team, the Cavaliers, you know, they got Kevin Love and LeBron to come back, mm-hmm. and whereas the Penguins... And they still they, have Kyrie Irving. And they still have Kyrie Irving, whereas the Penguins, they drafted Malkin and Crosby, but the only real superstar they got was Kessel, um, which they could afford to do, and then, I, I guess... Um, Latang they also drafted too so and I guess like Chicago maybe as well but again that's another team that drafted well too so I don't know if it's necessary yeah you're right it's not necessarily like super team it's more just teams that drafted well or um tanked quote-unquote and then um took a lot of like and then drafted in the top rounds when I think of super teams, I think of teams that are able to consistently bring back the same guys. That's tougher and tougher to do in today's NHL. Well, like Chicago so has I, managed, I, though, somewhat. Yeah, to a certain extent, they've kept their core together. Yeah. But, uh, they, and Pittsburgh, too. But there are a lot of there are a lot of guys that they drafted and picked up in free agency, like Panarin, yep. that could be regulars on their team if you know some of the guys they're if some of the regulars weren't getting paid as much money. Like, they're yeah. studs and keepers on any other team but Chicago. True. Yeah, that's a good point. I guess, well, like, Brandon Saad was pretty good without, not on Chicago, and, you know, but, yeah, I guess I see what your, your point. Um, Anaheim and uh, San Jose is another one um, as well. But um, I, I just think that the part where he said that players, like, aren't getting, like, the full value that they're getting paid, and that stat that 64 players are getting paid more than $7 million this coming year, yeah. and the year before the big lockout, it was 23 players. Right. Like, the, the market is bigger, and it's it's better than it, than it was, like, 10 years ago. Yeah, I guess But they need to keep true. growing it. Yeah, that's true. It's just it, it is kind of odd that the the NHLPA head is saying this stuff. But yeah, um, yeah, you're right. It's I mean, I guess at the same time, it's it's kind of true though. Like McDavid recently got 14 million. He is worth all yeah, that. Exactly. So um, there are about like 10 players that are getting paid upwards of 10 million per year this right. year. So as well. I don't know. 
Yeah, it's it's an interesting uh, debate to have. We'll see. Why um, can't you just wait for the next CBA renegotiations? I oh, it's it's happening. I already I'm already like prepared. I'm trying to think of stuff to do in the 2020 because I know already know it's going to happen. The lockout. I think I think the Olympics could be a big talking point, yep, but I think this be. is going to be a close second. Yeah, it will, and the RFA stuff and offer sheets yeah. and stuff that will be a big thing too. Um, why don't they just? I don't know. Just other leagues like seem to like gel well to get like the PA and the uh, the actual organization seem to pair well together. Why can't they just get along here? The NHL PA and the NHL. I don't know. Um, anyways, maybe they're still buttered about the Olympics. <laughs> That's possible. Yeah. Uh, we'll go to the rapid fire here. Um, we have, uh, we have, we're going to start off with a couple of KHL news here. Um, so, uh, Ilya Kovalchuk signed, speaking of the Olympics, uh, he signs a one-year deal with Ska St. Petersburg. There were some reports, we did mention this last week, um, but it's official this week. Um, and there were reports, supposedly reports, but the main reason that Kovalchuk decided to stay in the KHL was he wants to play in the Olympics. Um, I have his stats here. He's 78, he has 78 points in 60 games. Um, we, me and Steve differ on this, and we've, we, we have discussed this before. Uh, Kovalchuk, uh, Steve doesn't think that Kovalchuk will ever play in the NHL again. I think he will. The question is how good he will be, um, if he will be good at all. But, um, you know, he had 78 points in 60 games in the KHL, so that's not terrible. But um, uh, Steve just doesn't think he's going to be there. So, uh, yeah. Well, he's got a year to prove me wrong because after this deal, he's going to be a UFA in the NHL and in the KHL, the Devils no longer own his soul, and yep. he can play wherever he wants. Which so made sense maybe that's too. why he took. Maybe that's why he took so long to go back. He just didn't want to play in New Jersey anymore. That's possible too. Yeah, <laughs> he just that, that instead of asking for a trade, he just decided to you know what? I'll just go to the KHL and Yeah, I'll just spend my time in Russia. I'll wait till my contract's up, <laughs> yeah. and then I'll go where I please. Um, <laughs> kind of funny actually. Um, so the KHL Kovalchuk watch will. They'll have be to around wait another for year. another year, I guess. Yay. Yeah, I guess it makes all, a ton, of, a lot of sense too. It's not like the like the Devils. Like I think there were rumors that the Rangers were going to be in on it. So it's not like why would the Devils make that trade to the Rangers? It, uh, it wouldn't make sense, you know. So um, the Rangers just make total sense because they pay. They've been known to pay no, I, a lot of players money that they're not worth. No, I get that. I'm just saying, like. Like, the Devils and the Rangers are, like, the biggest rivals, you know, so it's, it wouldn't make sense that that way. It would be like if the Bruins and the uh, the Habs made a trade. And, yeah, that's true. And and to be fair, like, New Jersey, they've got Adam Henrique, they have Taylor Hall, they just yeah. traded for Marcus Johansson. They, they got Nico um, Escher. just signed Nico Escher to his entry-level deal, so yeah. he's going to be on the team for the next three years, supposedly. And, you know, <laughs> if he's good enough, he probably will be. Yep. So they'd be even better with Kovalchuk, but they're already, I think, a, a playoff-ready team, in my opinion, especially if Schneider returns to the floor, well, which we'll my, talk about him later. My, my, my point was more that they, uh, like, the Devils and the uh, the Rangers weren't um, wouldn't be 
great trading partners. But yeah. Yeah, that that's true. They they don't make too many big significant trades between divisions. Like like, like even Toronto and Ottawa, like that Dion yeah. Phaneuf trade, like caught everyone off guard because they're just like, oh my god, a significant trade between two yeah. rivals that never happens. Right. Well, I guess like since New Jersey hasn't been good in a while, it's kind of yeah. different, and you know, Rangers haven't been great either, but. Um, I mean, they, they've been decent, I should say, but, uh, yeah, <laughs> it's just, I think people forget that is too people, big just to trade him to anybody. Yeah. So. People forget that New Jersey and the Rangers are rivals, you know? So, <laughs> yeah, cause, uh, um, New Jersey hasn't been relevant for a while. So I think that rivalry is kind of taking a backseat for the most part. Yeah. For now. Uh, Gusev, um, speaking other KHL news, um, I'm blanking on his first name. I just have Gusev. Um, he, there was a trade a while ago from Tampa to uh, Vegas, and there were some reports that he would join his uh, line mate uh, Shipachev um, there in Vegas. But it turns out that he also signed a two-year deal to Scott St. Petersburg as well. Um, uh, that's... Kovalchuk's team. It feels like Scott St. Petersburg has, like, everybody, by the <laughs> way. Um, like, I was just looking at their team. They also have Dadanov and Datsuk as well, um, which is kind of... Well, Dadanov is... If he makes Florida, he won't be there for much longer, but... No, yeah. no, But I'm just saying, like, Scott St. Petersburg has, like, everybody. Oh, yeah, they had a great team. Yeah. Um, but they... Yeah, they... Um, I mean, it makes sense since they won the championship there, but... It's just funny. Um, They've won a lot of them. Uh, what's interesting is for a guy who scored 71 points in 57 KHL games last yep. year and then added 23 points in 18 playoff games, you thought for sure he'd be a regular on Vegas, especially with Chipachov, yep. um, uh, who he, who he's um, – because I remember when they made the trade with Tampa, the word is, oh, Nikita Gusev and uh, Adam Chipachov – We'll um, they they they've had chemistry on uh, the Russian international team uh, with Panarin there at the last World right. Hockey Championships. Like they're probably not going to get Panarin, but still, two thirds of that line ain't bad. Yep. But I think with Shipachov being in Vegas for the next two years, he goes from a team like Tampa with a guy like Nikita Kucherov with stability to a team like Vegas where you don't know what you're going to get. Um, you're probably waiting for Chipichov's contract to end and then ask him, hey, how did you enjoy your time in Vegas? Oh, you liked it? Okay, I'm going there too now. Oh, you didn't like it? I'm staying in the KHL. I think he's going to rely on Chipichov's experience with Vegas as to whether or not he even plays for them. And frankly, I don't care about any of that stuff because I'm just glad someone finally stepped on George McPhee. (laughs) I'm I'm just so glad he finally He finally lost something. Yeah, I, I'm glad he got the cold shoulder from stuff. Are you? Uh, oh, so you're you're that mad on Mathot? Uh, no, I'm not butthurt about Mathot at all. Are you kidding me? <laughs> I don't know. I'm not butthurt at all. You could be. I, I think I'm you not. might be. Um, also, another thing to think about: Gusev Nikita Gusev, by the way, is his full name. Uh, he's 25 years old. Shipachev is uh, 30 years old. Uh, just something to think about. Um. And then uh, the third KHL news here, um, Kirill Kaprizov, uh, who is a wild prospect, and people were, I think a lot of scouts were saying that he could go over the border this as soon as this year. Um, 
he's in a similar situation as Gusev. Um, you know, people were thinking he was going to go across the pond. They weren't sure if he was. He supposedly signed a three-year deal to his uh, KHL team, CSKA Moscow. Um, at, like, even the KHL uh, tweeted out that they, they signed Kaprizov. But it turns out that's not actually true. Uh, Kaprizov has 42 points in 49 games in the KHL. Last year, he's also 20 years old, so much younger than both Kusev and way younger than Kovalchuk is. Um, but uh, So both the Wild GM, uh, Chuck Fletcher, and Senior VP of Hockey Operation have declined to comment in large part because Right now, there has been no confirmation, and we're all relying on hearsay. Um, the league tweeted this out. Uh, the team has not see uh, Scott Moscow, and Kaprizov has said, has been quoted as saying that he hasn't decided beyond next season and still has time to think about this three-year proposal. So, there, I guess... I guess what's going to happen is that he'll, he might sign, he might go over next year. Um, but um, right now he's still in the process of thinking about signing a three-year deal uh, to stay in the KHL. Yeah, drafted in the fifth round by Minnesota, 42 points in 49 games last year. Yep. Um, three goals in five playoff games. That's not bad for a fifth-round selection, but I, I, yeah. I think... Maybe they drafted. Maybe the reason he fell so low is because people just aren't sure of you know what KHL stars are going to do, yeah. and I think they approach them with more caution now. Yeah. So maybe that's why he fell to as low as the fifth round. But that's true too. I mean, you also have to think of who's that guy on Dallas, Nichushkin. Um, you know, that's another case of yeah. like a guy who we aren't sure if he's going to come back to the KHL or not. It's always an interesting aspect of things. Now it's like. Who's going to come over? Who's not going to come over? Um, you know, since also you have to think like Radulov and Panarin. Um, and I think, did Kucherov play in the KHL too? I think he might have. Um, so that must have like an effect too. Is like, oh, you, you want to get, like teams are going to want to get the next Panarin. Um, yeah. Um, and also, this isn't KHL news, but it's international news. Kevin Klein pulls a quote-unquote Kovalchuk and uh, retires, and then he uh, he goes to the Swiss League um, to play for, uh, just so happens to play for Austin Matthews' old team, the ZSC Lions. Um, it's just a funny kind of story here, but um, it's a little odd move. I don't know why he would even go to uh, the Swiss League, but... Uh, when he could still play for the NHL, you know. Uh, uh, and, um, and he's not even Swiss. Yeah, yeah and he's, he's 32, I guess. He's he, he's still got some time left. I mean, yeah. what he's been able to do in 627 career games, 38 goals, 116 assists, 154 points, only received 185 penalty minutes in 627 career games. So very disciplined guy as well. Uh, played yeah. seven and a half seasons with the Fred's three and a half with the Rangers. And he's a right-handed shooting defenseman, a guy like, hmm, I don't know, maybe Vegas could use yeah. because they're short on right-handed shooting defensemen. So th- there are a lot of teams that um, 
that Kevin Klein could go out and play for him. And if he didn't want to be in New York and he still wanted to play in the NHL, he could have just accepted a trade. But um, it's it's interesting why he decided to, to make this move. But um, yeah. maybe, maybe he just wanted to clear his head. I don't know. Yeah, it is weird. Maybe, 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 maybe just. Uh oh. Steve? No, I'm here. Okay. You kind of went in and out there. Um, but, yeah, no, like, for Kovalchuk, it makes sense, because he, uh, you know, to go to the KHL, because he is Russian, uh, but Klein is Canadian, it's not, it doesn't really make sense, uh, for that aspect of it, and he's not Swiss, but, I don't know, maybe he just, uh, he just wanted to, to get paid, maybe, I don't know. And for a, for a couple of weeks, um, I, I remember uh, reading a tweet from, uh, Towards his pal Brooksy at the New York Post, there, uh, Larry Brooks, um, who said he was mulling towards retirement at some point. Oh. Um, and then he just made it official a few weeks later, and then uh, less than a week later, ends up signing in Switzerland. So, yeah. Um, I guess it was something that he was contemplating for a while. Maybe, maybe he didn't like uh, the direction the Rangers' defense was headed, and he thought, yeah, it's time. Yeah, I, get, I could see that. Like they have, um, they have Shannon Kirk, and he probably felt like, oh, I should probably <laughs> move on from that. Yeah, um, they have Shannon Kirk. They also have Holden. They have Brady Shea, who had a great year for them as well. And they yeah. also had McDonough. And uh, they they also um, they, they also uh, bought out Dan Girardi as well. So right, may, maybe he feared he was going to be next. I don't know. That's possible. Yeah, um, Rick. Uh, Target is the uh, new Coyotes head coach. Um, I kind of like this move. Um, I also, I just want to state this now before um, our like preview episode, I guess. Uh, I, I, I'm, I'm in on the Coyotes hype now. Um, they have Dylan Strom. They have um, Clayton Keller coming in. They also have Domi and Duclair, who should be better now. Uh, they got rid of uh, Tippett, who is very much like old school way. Um, so, um, and also Ranta and Stepan should help them as well. So, and you also have the Swedish law firm in uh, OEL. So, um, yeah, I, I like the Coyotes uh, team this year. They kind of remind me of what Toronto was last year. Um, so, uh, we'll see. Yeah, it's and and their uh, front office is starting to take shape as yeah. well. Um, Rick Toggett signing a four-year deal. Steve Patterson named the new president CEO and alternate alternate governor. Um, as we all know, last year Toggett was on uh, uh, Mike Sullivan's uh, assistant coaching uh, roster with the Penguins, yeah. and he won a couple of Stanley Cups there. Uh, Patterson was also previously served as the athletic director at both Arizona State University and the University of Texas. He was also the senior VP of the NFL's Houston Texans from 97 to 2003. And they also promoted John Chayka to president of hockey operations. He is also uh, the general mm-hmm. manager of the Coyotes, the youngest in the NHL right now. Um, as far as front office goes, um, I think they've a, a good blend of everything. Um, as a team, they're young but inexperienced, but I think you're going to see still some growing pains, especially with the new head coach um, being so used to Dave Tippett as well. I yeah. think it's going to be a bit of a transition to a certain extent, but they have a young enough team where 
the growing pains won't be as big because you didn't really get used to tippet system to begin with. Right. And you also have a, a combination of new guys coming into the fold. You have um, Nicholas Jolmerson coming in. You have Derek Stefan coming in. Yep. You have Antti Ranta coming in. I think in three to four years they have what it takes to become playoff regulars. Um, I, I think hopefully you're going to see some strides from them this year. I was expecting strides from them this year. Uh, the past, this past season, it didn't happen, but um, I, I think you're really going to start to see uh, the future guys, uh, Dylan Strome, Brendan Perlini, Clayton Keller. I think you're going to start to see more and more of them uh, moving forward. And the like you said, Christian Dvorak, Max Domi, uh, Anthony Duclair, they're yep. – they're just part of the young wave of talents that are coming through the Coyote system. Well, yeah, that's kind of why they remind me a lot of Toronto um, in terms of they have a lot of young talent, um, guys ready to make it in the big leagues. Um, you know, they have a new coach in. Their goalie is also kind of finally gets a new realm of things. Antti Ranta, had, I was just looking this up, he had... He had like a 9.22 save percentage um, in in New York last year, so um, yeah, he's he could be a they could be a decent uh, uh, team this year. I don't know if they'll be like a playoff team like Toronto was last year or Edmonton, but um, I could I could see them making like the next step in their development um, as a team. So we'll see. Um, also, now, uh, getting back to Kevin Klein for just a quick sec, oh, yeah, yeah. Um, just looking at this article by Brian Winters of SB Nation Blue Shirt Banter, um, apparently Klein struggled with nagging back injuries for most of last season. He appeared in only 16 games this season before being a healthy scratch for all but one playoff game. Oh. So again, looks like the writing was on the wall for Kevin Klein. But so. still, he's playing in the Swiss League, I don't know. <laughs> And there was also talk that he was going to be seeking employment overseas, um, according to Larry Brooks as well. Oh, uh, so this was prob this was probably in his mind for a while. Yeah, possibly. At the same time, he, he's playing in a, in another league right now. It's yeah, a, exactly. Know. But yeah, I guess, I guess you're right. I guess I guess the Devils and the Rangers have one thing in common now, eh? Yeah, that's true. That but, one player has has told him to buzz off. Well, I mean, Klein is a different player than Kovalchuk, but yeah, you're right. Um, Speaking of the Devils, the uh, Roland Melanson, who was the former uh, Canucks and um, Canucks goalie coach uh, that Schneider had, um, he's going to be the Devils co goalies coach now. Um, Schneider, as you mentioned, I think earlier in this episode, um, that Schneider had his worst season um, ever um, in the pros, um, so this should probably help him. Um, this year to get back on track. So, uh, yeah, we'll see. Steve. Yes, he's a 2.82 goals average and it's a 9.08 save percentage. Uh, in his first three years with the Vancouver Canucks, Roland Melanson was his goalie coach. Yep. Corey went 16-4-2 in 2010-2011, 2.23 goals against average, 9.29 save percentage. The next year, 28-1, 1.96 goals against average, Sparkling 937 save percentage. A year after that, his final year with the Canucks, 17-9-4, 2 2.11 goals against average, 927 save percentage, and five shutouts. Yeah. So I guess they're hoping that uh, the Roland Melanson experiment is going to help uh, Corey Schneider bounce back. 
Yep. Um, yeah, it should, it should be interesting to see. Um, Dallas uh, signs uh, made two sites this year, this uh, this week. Radek Fex uh, for three years at two point two million. Sorry, two point two million. And Brett Ritchie, who has a great name, uh, gets two years at one point seven million. Um, these are more depth moves, but these are also like young guys who could, you know, could be um, a good fit for Dallas and like the bottom six of the lineup. So. Um, yeah, we'll see. With Patrick Sharp out of the picture, it's going to be interesting to see how, how many uh, facts that gets, uh, especially considering now they have Martin Hansel in the in the fold. Yep. But uh, this guy went from 12 points in 45 games as a rookie to 12 goals and 33 points in his second year. And then you look at um, and you look at uh, Brett Ritchie, 16 goals in 78 games after six goals in his first 39 games in his first two years. Um, I think if both guys play huge, the Dallas Stars is going to be that much better and also gives Ken Hitchcock more options to work with because even if you have an overload of centers, um, you can put one of those centers in a different position and uh, plug in Braddock Faxa there as well. So, I, I, again, it's a happy problem for the, the Dallas Stars to have. You can you can never have too much offense, but um, I guess that only works if you have enough defense. And I guess that's the question moving forward is, uh, are they good enough defensively? I think they're good enough defensively to be a playoff team. Beyond that, I don't know. Yeah, that's true. Um, we'll see. Uh, UC Jokinen um, signs with Edmonton for one year, $1.1 million, um, per this year. Um, I, said, I almost said AAV, but then I was like, wait, it's only one year. Um, but... Um, yeah, this is a this is a good deal. I guess this is what Shirley's going to do now with uh, his uh, free agents is try to get these like low key um, forwards and um, to fit into the lineup. But um, yeah, all I think about for Jokinen is that he's like great in the shootouts. Um, so maybe they'll, they'll he's like a shootout specialist. So um, maybe they'll they'll use him for that. So, yeah. Yeah, it seems like that's what he was good for last year because he only recorded 28 yeah. points in 69 games with Florida last year. Probably a main reason why he was bought out. But yep. when he's at his best, he can give you 40 to 50 points. Um, and at just over $1 million for one year, you've got nothing to lose at this point. They also yep. signed a guy named Joey Lalegia, uh, I believe is how you pronounce his name. Um, they yep. re-signed to a one-year deal. He's an interesting guy. Because in the AHL, not only did he score 20 goals, according to Elite Prospects, he's listed as a forward defense mix. So I don't know if he's going to be the next Brent Burns or the next Dustin Bufflin. That's very tough to say. But it gives Shirelli and McClellan more options down the road, especially if you end up getting a lot of injuries and you're really short in um, a certain spot in the forward uh, position or – Defense, especially like if you got banged up defense, you can just slot him in there. Um, so I, it, it definitely gives them uh, these two signings definitely give them more options to work with at a cheaper price. So yeah, um, I, I think the Oilers safe to say uh, they're best to go bargain hunting at this point, especially um, once McDavid starts getting paid that big money. So yeah, yeah, I mean, yeah, we'll we'll see. He's all he's all like in his. 30s. I was just looking at him up. So, um, yeah, we'll see if uh, that works for them. 
We'll see. Uh, I think that's the only, like, free agent news this week. Like, Vanek hasn't been signed yet. I don't understand that. Yager is still on the market, amazingly. Um, Carolina is close to selling. Uh, It's reported roughly $500 million. Um, Peter Kamenos, who is the guy who moved the Whalers to uh, Carolina. So, um... So it looks like the new guy is uh, Chuck Greenberg, who's a Myrtle Beach Pelicans owner and former Texas Rangers CEO. Um, It's not official yet, but um, it looks like uh, they could be, uh, uh, they could have a new owner pretty soon. Um, We'll see if it's going to happen or not, but um, it is being reported. Um, and if it does happen, the plan is to keep the team in North Carolina. So right, good news right. for Hurricanes fans. There. I, it was funny. Like I was reading this article off like Myrtle Beach, the, their newspaper, and it was like I saw the headline like Pelicans owner is in on the Hurricanes uh, offer or something, and I thought that meant like the New Orleans Pelicans owner. <laughs> and then and then I read on, it was just like oh Myrtle Beach is Pelicans. So it's like okay. Yeah. Uh, which I thought was kind of funny. But, I, thought, um, I thought the New Orleans Pelicans were the only team that's called the Pelicans, but clearly I was wrong. Yeah, I'm, now I have to look what Myrtle Beach Pelicans, like what, I don't even know what sports they play. Let's see. Well, hopefully yeah, their ma- mascots aren't as terrifying. I don't know if you've seen the New Orleans yeah, Pelicans yeah, yeah, mascots. Oh, they put the Okay, they're oh, a, so um, Myrtle Beach Pelicans are a minor league baseball team, and uh, they are a single-A baseball team. Oh, okay. Um, so not as exciting. But The more you know, people, the, yeah, more, the more you know. know. Speaking of Carolina, Jacob Slavin gets a seven-year extension after this year. Uh, it's reported to be $5.3 million. He's not like an offensive defenseman, so I wouldn't be surprised if you guys... Um, if anyone knows who he is, but he's a good defensive defenseman. And it's, it's, a, it's a good move, actually, what, the more I was reading about it. So, um, yeah, Carolina is uh, set for the future in that regard. Um, they have uh, their defensive defenseman in place. Yeah, they also have Justin Falk as well to yep. complement him. What's Hannafin. interesting about Slavin is that, yeah, he's a shutdown defender, but according to NHL.com, he's able to be an offensive-minded puck-carrying defenseman as well. As a rookie, he got 20 points. He got 34 in his second season. Also finished this year with a plus 23. Not bad for a guy who's never scored a power play goal at the NHL level. And has only scored seven in his career to date. So I think he's got a lot of room to grow. And I'm just a bit surprised that he was signed to a contract extension this early. But and getting paid this kind of money. But um, to be a top three defenseman in ice time uh, for the Hurricanes... uh, and, and played pretty well at his age. Um, it's 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 a pretty it's a pretty good signing, I would say, for the Hurricanes. The more and more I think about it, um, and despite the odd spelling of his name, he's from Erie, Colorado. Yeah. Um, well, you say odd spelling. It's just J A C C. It sounds Czech, to be honest, the way it's spelled. Why? Because it's has he has two C's in his name instead of yeah. one. Yeah. Yeah. I guess so. Um, I was a bit shocked to find out he was American. I'm not gonna lie. Yeah, they all the Carolina. Yeah, I mean, yeah, it's true. I was just gonna mention that the Hurricanes also have uh, Noah Hannafin as well. Mm-hmm. 
Um, but they also have a lot of uh, European prospects. They have yep. Tolchinsky in the mix as well. Yep. Uh, Sebastian Ajo as well. So. Yeah, as well. Sebastian they're, Ajo. They're another team like Arizona that like could be could surprise this year. Yeah. We'll see. And they have another former Blackhawks goalie that's probably going to be their number one guy as well. Right, darling. Yeah. Um, all right, we now go to the Bruins and Sen segment. You have more stuff than I do. Uh, this week because Ottawa did more, but um, so I'll let you go first. Okay, so the hope was that Victor Stolberg made the organization and he's leaving all altogether because he pulled a Kevin Klein and signed a two-year deal in Switzerland. So not playing for the same team as Kevin Klein, but he's playing well, in Switzerland. Wait, when you say um, pull a Kevin Klein, do you mean did he retire and then? No, he sign- signed in Switzerland. But he like, but wasn't he a free agent or was he not? Yeah, he he he, he okay. needed a new contract. The hope was I was going to resign him. Didn't happen. And okay. he signed it's in a Switzerland. little different than Kevin Klein, but yeah. okay. <laughs> he pulled half of Kevin Klein and he signed in Switzerland. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Again, the more you know. Yep. Uh, here's the good news: they did manage to re-sign Patrick Sealot to a one-year, two-way deal, which is worth six hundred and fifty thousand in the A in the NHL and nine and and. Uh, Ninety thousand dollars in the AHL. Uh, you you remember Patrick Seeloff? He's the guy who concussed Clark MacArthur during a friendly scrimmage last September. Actually, maybe I don't like that signing. Never mind. <laughs> Here's the most interesting piece that I found about my Ottawa Senators. Uh, it actually came from you, Brett, off yep. the air. According to Colin Cudmore's Twitter account, he's with the Silver Seven Cents. The faithful GM that is Pierre Dorian says the best-ranked defensive prospect in their system, a.k.a. Thomas Shabbat. And also, like, one of the top is, prospects this year, but yeah. Yeah. Not just in of, Ottawa, but in... Not just in Ottawa. Yeah, in NHL, yeah. 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 Uh, he says he's ready to play in the NHL right now. Um, is he, though, is the question. Well, I think he's done enough for his junior team. I yeah. mean, he's reported over 10 goals and 40 points in each of the last three years including 21 goals and 90 points in his last 81 regular season games with the St. John Sea Dogs. And on top of that, he's got 44 playoff points and 35 playoff contests over the last two years. Also a plus 29 in the playoffs this year. And then the cherry on top, 10 points in seven World Junior Games at the Under-20 tournament in 2017, led Canada to a silver medal and yep. gained top defensive honors. Now, the comparison to Charlie McAvoy's... Um, I compare him to Charlie McAvoy in a sense with um, a, a good de- young defenseman with a lot of hype. The difference is Charlie McAvoy has NHL experience and he's got playoff experience. In fact, he's never played in an NHL regular season game. Shabbat's only played in one and he was a minus two in that game. Yep. Charlie McAvoy comes in for the Bruins last year just before the playoffs without a single game of regular season experience. Not only does he fit right in, he gets three assists. He averaged a time of he averages twenty six minutes eleven seconds time on ice. That was second on the team and only behind Zdeno Chera. And he also averaged the most shifts per game with thirty one point seven. Um, so Shabbat, in that sense, has a lot more to prove than Charlie McAvoy does because Charlie McAvoy has fit right into the NHL. Shabbat has yet to do so. That being said. I think he's going to be given every chance to make the team this year. Um, my prediction is he's going to make the team out of training camp. They're going to keep him around for eight to ten games, and then it becomes a to- and then it becomes a toss up as to what happens from there. Yep. Um, 
In my opinion, there's no need to rush him. So if he needs some time at the AHL level, give it to him. I frankly just want him to have the best chance to succeed. I don't care if it means some time in the minors. He needs proper grooming. They can't rush him. Um, but if he fits right in eight to ten games next year, um, I say keep him around, see what he's got. Yeah, that's that's not a bad plan. I I'm more curious to see if like he'll be um, like if he'll play with Carlson or not. But um, but yeah, yeah you, I don't think they throw him into the fire that quick. But yeah, we'll if see. He's that good, and they think he's that good. You might. Why not? Yeah, I mean they're they're hyped on him. It's clear that they're hyped on him, or at least the GM is. But yeah, you're right. It's uh, it'll, it'll be interesting to see. But you mentioned Charlie McAvoy, and I'm just looking at their stats here. Um, so McAvoy in BU last year, he had 26 points in 38 games at BU, whereas Shabbat had 45 points in uh, 34 games uh, for the uh, St. John Sea Dogs, uh, St. John Sea Dogs um, yep. in the QMGHL. So it's it's I mean. The Q and the uh, the NCAA is a little different leagues per se. It's hard to say which one's the better league in that sense, but um, but uh, it's I gotta say it's impressive that Shabbat has over a point per game um, as a defenseman. Um, yeah. So um, I'm excited for him. I also have him in my dynasty league. So um, I have I have both McAvoy and Shabbat, but. Um, I, I am looking forward to see what, uh, Shabbat does or what the, uh, Senators do in that regard. Um, we'll see. Um, as for, far as, uh, Boston news goes, um, Zane, uh, the Bruins just made two big signings, uh, Zane McIntyre and Malcolm Subban both signed a two-year, two-way deals. Both at 1.3 million. Um, Zane McIntyre, both Zane McIntyre and Malcolm Subban have been really good in Providence, the AHL team, but um, they haven't really uh, done so well in the pros, either one of them. Um, I could see Zane McIntyre being the backup this year, maybe, um, if Kudobin doesn't do as well, but. Um, I like this move, um, and I guess this also shows that the Bruins aren't going to uh, get a backup goalie um, through free agency or trading. So um, we'll see if this works out for them. Um, hopefully it does, but um, we'll see. It's it's one of those like, – goalies are just so hard to develop, I feel like. But, well, yeah, I know, mean, Tukarask and Justin Poe is a classic example. Yeah. <laughs> right. That too, but it's also like, it just, like, that's like a big thing for the Bruins is we need a backup goaltender because you need to give rest to Rask, and I'm not sure. And if, if Rask goes down, then yeah, what? Exactly. I don't know what's, yeah, we're in trouble. The Bruins are in trouble, so we'll see. Um, what's also, interesting about McIntyre is that he's a six-round pick compared to Subban, who was a first-round yeah. pick, and... Uh, in one year, his GAA goes from 2.67 to 2.03 at the AHL level. And yes. then in 16 playoff games, he posts a 2.57 GAA. He's had he, – he's made more progress, in my opinion, than Malcolm Subban has. I mean, yeah. to Subban's credit, his GAA has been below 2.5 in each of his first four seasons with Providence. Right. But his only two games in the NHL, he's looked lost. 
To be fair, though, Zane McIntyre played really well on uh, in college um, in North Dakota, so um, uh, he had a little bit more hype, I feel like. But like Malcolm Subban, of course, is the brother of PK. Um, also, it hasn't been... He was pretty good with the Belleville Bulls in the OHL, though. He had yeah, some was, good numbers himself, too. Was, yeah, that's true. I was I was just looking up his stats there, too. So He's actually been decent in Providence, too. It's just, like, we just pull him up for a game on the Boston Bruins, and then he uh, he just uh, he just falls right away. Um, and then we, like, bring him back down. I don't know what's going on with that. But at the same time, he's 23 years old. There's still time to improve. Um, and develop for him, so we'll see if that actually happens or not. Um, it would be great, though, if if Malcolm Subban is actually, like, a, a successful goalie, considering that the Habs just traded PK, you know? Yeah. <laughs> it would be great. Um, they would, the Subans would haunt the Habs even more, so. Um, Hall of Fame, um, also in the news... Hall of Famer Jeremy Jacobs um, is a scumbag again. Um, so a group of teens were were exploring options for funding a new hockey arena in their neighborhood, um, and they looked up the uh, old TD Garden agreement um, just as like a buffer or just research purposes. Um, they discovered the wording that appeared to spell out the arena's owner's responsibilities. Um, it's said that the new Boston Garden Corporation, which is um, part of Jeremy Jacobs Arena, shall administer no less than three charitable events per year and shall pay the net proceeds to uh, said Metropolitan District Commi- Commission. Um, the Jeremy Jacobs family, or the Jacobs family, has not done that. Um, so um, <laughs> there's a... Uh, it's kind of, uh, the, the, the owners were supposed to host three fundraisers every year to benefit the agency that oversees the city's recreational facilities. Um, that was another click that I saw, but, um, yeah, it's, uh, it's not a surprise that, uh, Jeremy Jacobs is a scumbag again, but here's another thing on the list for reasons why you should hate this man. Um, yeah, according according to an article from SportsCenter, which is how I first found out yeah. about it, the garden owners have not held up their end of the bargain by hosting any of the fundraisers in the past 24 years. Yeah. It's crazy. Uh, now I understand why you don't like that guy. Yeah, yeah. He's a, he's a scumbag. Oh, by the way, TD, by the way, it should be noted that TD Garden is owned by Delaware North, an umbrella corporation of team owner Jeremy Jacobs. Right. Yeah. Which is how he's tied into this. Um, yeah, it's true. Um, and also, uh, what was my other point that I was going to make? Um, I'm looking. But, yeah, it's uh, it's, it's weird. Uh, I don't know. Uh, now, to be fair, the story also notes that state officials had discussions with TD Garden regarding a resolution to the yeah. legislative requirements and that a spokesperson for the Garden told the paper this was recently brought to their attention. <laughs> yeah. And they were in the early stages of discussing that matter with the state and mentioned that the Garden and its organizations already raised over $2 million a year for community programs. That's nice. Yeah. Um, Does it live up to their end of the bargain? I don't know. I just hope that the, that this is what I was going to say. I, I just hope that the Jacobs um, 
gets, like, some, some law firm just, like, goes nuts on the Jacobs for this. It's just, like, it's just, like, this is, like, a, for their taking, basically. Any lawyer out there, just, uh, sue them right now. It's in the agreement, you know, just do it. Um... We go to Wouldn't it be great if Mike Felter had a sit-down with Jeremy Jacobs? Wouldn't you love to fly on the wall for that? Yeah, <laughs> Mike Felter. I don't know. I mean, <laughs> that would be good entertaining yeah. TV, radio. Oh, man. I don't know who I hate more, Felger or, or Jacobs, but yeah. I think you hate them both equally, but I, I just I just realized you hate Jeremy Jacobs just as much as you hate Felger. Yeah, I, I, a couple I, of weeks ago. It is... Isn't that interesting how sports owners can, like, some sports owners are really out there, you know? Yep. Like, in Ottawa, we, we've got a guy like Eugene Melnick that, that loves yep. to win, that wants his team to win. But some of the stuff that he says, my goodness gracious, I can't believe that what I'm hearing half the time. Yeah, no, that, that's true. It's uh, it's it's one of those weird things where, like, you love the Bruins. I love the Bruins, obviously, but I just hate the owner. <laughs> it's just, it's one of those things. I don't know. Uh, we'll go to social media. Uh, we're offic- we're officially a part of the Fan Tracks Network, so uh, yay for that. Um, I think this might go on Fan Tracks Radio, so um, stay tuned for that. Uh, we're on. We're also on SoundCloud um, for the time being, and uh, what else? Okay, so Twitter uh, is lace up, lace them up. No, wait, Lace Up Podcast. Lace Um, M Podcast. Oh, is it Lace? I thought it was Lace Up. I set the Twitter account, and I'm I'm blanking on the name. Uh, Yeah, you're right. It's Lace Up Podcast. Um, I believe Lace M Up was taken. That's why I decided Lace Up Podcast. Um, We're also on iTunes. Uh, SoundCloud, I said Facebook is just Lace Em Up. Um... Yeah, that's about it. Um, I'm Brett Duboff. I'm Steve Ellsworth. We'll talk again in episode 86 of the Lace Em Up podcast.